You're listening to Trail Correspondence presented by The Trek, a media company dedicated to long-distance backpacking. Get even more at thetrek.co. Hello and welcome back to Trail Correspondence once more. I am your host, Moron, and this is episode 12, all about lessons learned on trail. You'll certainly find a noticeable theme throughout these clips, especially with those who are completing their first long trail, that it's difficult to sum up in words what's been learned. The duration a thru-hike requires is definitely enough to cause a thorough change within a person. It's so all-encompassing and transforming that it's hard to nail down exactly who and what you were before embarking on your journey. It requires reacclimation to the life you left in order to reorient who you've become. In my experience, the eventual understanding of what I'd learned while on trail often felt like a version of phantom limb syndrome, which occurs in individuals who have lost part of their body yet still feel sensations as if that part were still present. I would encounter situations in my post-trail life where I'd almost be of two minds. I could feel the momentum of the habits and routines I developed during my life leading up to through hiking pull me in one experiential direction, but then I'd also feel how I'd react to a given circumstance as a thru-hiker. Not quite at odds with myself, but certainly a tangible receipt of something that had changed within me. The difference here is not externally obvious or apparent, but despite its nuance, it was and is something I continue to encounter in my daily life. Upon further introspection, as I have also been asked many, many times about what I've learned during my journeys, the most poignant, distilled lesson I can point to is that control is an illusion, and part of its sinister trick is that the more you feel like you have it, the less able you are to deal with anything that rocks your paradigm. I'm a very structured person, and this is a coping mechanism I learned as a young child to deal with the chaos of life. I said no to a lot of things, experiences, people, and so on prior to my first thru-hike in 2019 because it gave me a feeling of insulated safety. I thought this was best for myself as it ensured that I would never be overwhelmed by what was on my plate. However, my first thru-hike shattered this fanciful view of life in a way that still surprises me to my core. Far from finding that embracing chaos would leave me feeling unsteady and insecure, I found that the more I was supple, said yes, and went with the flow, the better I understood myself as I was confronting life experiences actively and not strictly on a theoretical or contemplative plane. After each wave of chaos I invited into my life with complete volition subsided, what was left each time was a greater and greater sense of myself. This discovery is still a bit counterintuitive to me, but it speaks to the unspeakable change that can occur to an individual on this kind of voyage. On that note, let's get into what our correspondents have to say on the matter. Their closeness to the essence of this kind of experiential change is sure to be captivating. reporting in here from um well actually i'm back in the uk i'm back in the south downs um i flew back home just over a week ago now after getting to the canadian border on the 16th of august which was the end of my hike for this year um so yeah i'm done with my hike it feels so incredibly good to be back home with the people that i love and i've missed so dearly for the past five months it's been yeah the most magical week um, getting to see everybody and spend time with people and it's been great. Um, 
We're talking about lessons today, lessons learned. And to say I've learned a lot in the last five months would be a major understatement. Um, I started this hike as a young, mere 26-year-old woman, and now here I am, the ripe old age of 27, um, with all the wisdom of five months in the woods. <laughs> I mean, I joke, but I do feel like I have learned some important lessons along the way. Um, I'll start with my favourite topic, food. Always my favourite topic. Um, so food-wise, my biggest thing that I had I learned or had to learn was um, don't panic too much about the calories if it's making you unhappy. Um, eat what you like and eat what works for you, even if that means you're eating mac and cheese every day, if that's what you want. Once I broke through the sort of mental barrier of thinking that all of the typical backpacking foods are gross, I found almost every aspect of trail life a lot easier um, because I suddenly had energy and it was actually fueling my body properly. Um, I just had to yeah learn what worked and I know I talked about this a lot in the food episode but that was really the thing that had the biggest effect on my hike um and really improved things for me in every sense after the first few weeks um and yeah once I discovered mac and cheese that was a game changer and talking of cheese cheese keeps surprisingly well I learned for at least like three days um and also it turns out I can eat an entire block of cheese in three days So that was great. Loved, loved learning that about myself. (laughs) Um, Also food-wise, pack out some fresh fruit and vegetables. It doesn't matter that it weighs a lot or it might get a bit squashed. It's so worth it when you can add some chopped bell peppers into your instant noodles or eat an apple on the top of a big climb. That was a really, really cool realisation to come to. Um, Gear-wise, I would say the biggest thing that I, I didn't even learn because I, you know, I knew this already, but invest in the decent stuff um, that isn't going to break or at least probably then has some sort of lifetime warranty. Um, That was the most helpful thing was being able to call, you know, a Therma Rest, for example, up and have them send me a replacement product within a few days was so useful and so helpful and something I was really pleased that I'd done from the start, but really you know, really solidified that in my mind. Um, a big, big thing that I definitely learned and improved upon myself um, on this trail was to be more flexible because so much is out of your control, especially on the PCT in 2023. Be that all the snow in the desert or all the wildfire closures that we were out running for the last couple of weeks on trail in northern Washington. Or even a simple thing like the store is completely out of all your normal food options. I mean, you will be okay. This is something I <laughs> I really was worrying about. Um, but it was fine. I had to truly just embrace the unexpected. Um, because even with all lots of prior research before starting hiking, it's too big of a trail, ta- ugh, too big of a trail and a task to try and know what was in store every step of the way. Um another sort of you know sappy thing don't underestimate yourself um whilst Canada was always my goal from the start I think I never actually expected to get there I really did think that something would go wrong along the way um and whilst things did go wrong nothing was catastrophic enough to derail my whole adventure I mean I I did it I did what I set out to achieve it was incredible to learn truly what my body was capable of um I still can't really believe that I did it, but going forward and with future trips and adventures, it's cool to now know for sure that my body's super adaptable and I am capable of doing something as bonkers as 
you know, hiking 2,000 miles in one summer. Um, kind of on that same note, I think it's also really important to give yourself time when things do go wrong and take days off when you need them. Um, I had two minor injuries. I had a shin splint that lasted, you know, a couple of days and a reoccurrence of an old knee injury. And in both cases, I was really upset and quite distraught at the idea of having to take a day or two off to rest and to let it heal. Um, mostly because I didn't want to lose my gang that I'd been with for so long. And it, you know, it then worked out that it was, it was better for me just to rejoin them and skip a couple of miles. Um, so that all worked out. And actually, objectively, it's really hard to know when it's the right thing to do to take time off. But, you know, probably it is going to be the right thing to do. And actually, it meant that those injuries then healed and then never reoccurred. And so for the sake of a couple of days off, I actually then probably saved the entire rest of my hike. Um, I also learned that I'm pretty allergic to mosquito bites. They blister up and form little welts on my skin. It was disgusting. It was painful. It was itchy. I am covered in little white scars that are probably, you know, just a few millimeters across, but they are all over my body, especially on my legs and ankles. Um, that's pretty gross. Good to know for the future. I think I just never dealt with mosquitoes like I had to in Oregon and sort of southern Washington before. And so like one bite, I probably never noticed it and it didn't bother me. But now it's it's pretty, it's just good to know going forward. So yeah, hopefully that sums up some of the big things. Um, yeah, learned a lot. Not complaining. I've had the sum of my life. <laughs> so thanks for listening and I speak to you again soon. This is Second Pudding signing out. This is Shitwater Fireball, Queen of the Salamanders, and I am in some part of Maine. Just passed over Saddleback Mountain, along with its bitch-ass junior, junior Saddleback Mountain, which honestly was kind of worse than the bigger one. And this is the lessons learned part of the podcast, and in... The past 1900, almost 2000 miles, I have learned some things. (laughs) Like, this trail can be fucked sometimes. Like, literally, I'm just looking down a descent right now. And you know what? Yeah, that was the sound of my poles just flying down because I don't want them right now. So that's a lesson. Sometimes trekking poles just, you don't need them for descents that are literally rock climbing. And don't be too proud to butt scooch is a good one. Um, Your pants are going to rip, but it's going to be fine. No one really cares. Another good one is going along that line. That doesn't really matter what you look like out here. This trail actually helped a lot with just accepting that my body's going to change. Like... I literally lost like 20 pounds out here, um, and I didn't really feel like I had 20 pounds to lose, but just accepting the fact that your body is a living thing, and it's always going to change shapes, and it's up to you to just appreciate whatever shape it's in, and love it for what it is. 
along with the moment you're in. A lot of this trail has taught me just like, sometimes things don't turn out the way you expect. Like sometimes that pond you're really hoping for turns out to be just full of leeches and they're all writhing around in there and a bunch of reeds and stuff. But at the end of the day, if you wanted to swim, then go swim. Fuck the leeches. Sometimes you just got to do what you want to do. And it's important to have fun because at the end of the day, this trail is going to be whatever you make it. So if you can't have fun in the present moment, then what are you doing? Even when you're going up a horrible climb, you can still have a good time with it. Like, yell at it, scream at it, start singing a weird song, throw your trekking poles, (laughs) like I'm doing now, butt scooch. And then also the importance of just doing random stuff sometimes to entertain yourself. Like some days I would just stick a leaf on my forehead and pretend to be like leaf man for the day. And then other days I would get to the top of the mountain and have a dance party. Because it's just like, you can do whatever you want out here. Like, there's so much freedom. It's awesome. So you just have to be grateful for what you've got, which is your own two legs and the ability to go literally anywhere. Like, how many other times are you going to get the chance to, like, walk across the country? Like, ah, so cool. Um, And just appreciating the giant ass mountains even if they're kicking your ass really important because they're here and for whatever reason we have this urge to climb them so let's just fucking do it but also learning how to rest when you feel like you need to and just accepting that sometimes you're gonna be in pain for a lot of the time (laughs) like my heels have still been hurting since the start of this journey and I feel like sometimes you just got to accept that they're gonna hurt for a long time and that's gonna be that but you got to know the difference between like bad hurt and hurt you can push through which is an interesting line to kind of dance around because if you push too hard when it's a bad hurt then you're gonna fuck yourself so just know your limits and also know who you want to go faster for and who you might want to go slower for. Like, out here, you're able to pick the people you want to surround yourself with. And same in regular life. So if you meet someone that you think is worth speeding up for, then do it. Like, when I met Love Child, like, I just felt like he was someone I really clicked with. And I was like, oh, wow. What a great guy. Like, we have a lot of fun together. I want to push myself to try and keep up with him. So then I did. And it's so fun. And we have the best time together. And now we're a similar pace because I decided to push myself earlier. And (laughs) he slowed down a bit. So if you meet the right person, it'll just even out. And plus, some people we met along the way... Like, they might be a little slower, so we'll, like, take a zero with them and party and stuff, and that's fun. And then you gotta know when you're slowing down too much and someone's not meeting your goals of how much mileage you want to achieve, and then you gotta know when to push by them. It's important to be able to know 
when to keep going and not to be afraid to hike alone. And because you'll always meet more people out here. The trail will always provide some good time and some fun people if you're willing to look and just walk. (laughs) Something's bound to happen. But if you stay in your tent all day or stay with the same people all the time, if you're not vibing with them, then nothing fun is going to happen. And not to be too sad about the friends that you left behind, because even if they are a little bit behind you, we're still on the same trail at the end of the day. And who knows? Our paths may cross again. So yeah. And also take care of your gear, because... Your gear is very important and you gotta treat it kindly as well as your body. Treat your kind your treat your body very kindly and don't forget to stretch. Anyways, that's it. Legends from old shitwater. Have a lovely day. This is Allie, aka TC, aka Appalachian Adventurista, currently checking in from central Maine, where I am enjoying looking at some wide open forests covered in moss and um, finding lots of little frogs. Uh, Today's topic on lessons learned is an interesting one, and I'm actually having the hardest time answering this of all of our prompts so far. And I think that's because I almost have a hard time putting myself back in place in in the mindset of where I was when I first started this through hike. Because to think about the things that I've learned now, I'm trying to look back at what I used to think and what I used to know and how I used to feel. And it's almost hard to reconnect with that version of myself. So I guess we'll start there. I have learned how much change can happen in a five to six month journey and how much growth and adaptation uh, can set in mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually in that time frame. Um, But I have delved a little deeper and I have definitely learned a lot of things out here on this through hike. I've learned a lot more about my gear. I've, um, I don't know if this is something I can even consider that I have learned, but I, I have found new levels of comfort and home in a lot of the gear items that I already really loved. I chose to come out here with a hammock setup because that is something that I know I can sleep in and uh, find a lot of comfort and joy in at home. And I didn't know how that was going to go out here. And what I learned is that hammock camping is a hundred percent my style of camping. Uh, I'm not opposed to tents, but wow, I just get so much more out of a hammock and so much more, it feels so much more luxurious to me. Um, In addition to the fact that a hammock is actually really good for my physical health also, I knew rationally that that was true, but until I got out here on the AT and was pushing myself to limits, um, I didn't quite realize actually how beneficial a hammock was um, for for my body, my back, my hips, my legs all feel better. 
and where sleeping in a shelter or on the ground um, after a long day's hike, I wake up and usually my, my feet are pretty puffy and swollen from the day before. Sleeping in a hammock raises them just enough to fully drain all of the lactic acid out of my legs. And I don't feel bloated in the morning. My my legs don't feel puffy. My feet don't feel like they are puffed up from, you know, the 20 miles I hiked the day before. It's really, truly incredible how much my hammock has actually done for my hike. I, lot of lear- I learned a lot of things mentally about myself. Um, I learned about limits and I learned a little bit more about boundaries And while some of that stuff was already known, I like to think that being out here on the AT really put a lot of things into practice um, and tested me in terms of um, what I was willing to do and how I was willing to stand up for myself when I needed to. And so I, I definitely learned more about myself in that process and what I am capable of. And along those lines, I learned in a different sense of the word what I am capable of. I came out here always keeping the door open kind of for if I didn't like it or if things went poorly, um, that I didn't have to stay out here. I always had in mind this mantra that my success on the AT did not contend on me making it to Katahdin. Of course, that was the goal. But I also didn't want to make it if it meant that I was going to hate hiking or I was going to be just bitter and unhappy on trail. I wanted to enjoy my experience while I'm out here. And um, I learned a lot about what my physical and mental limitations might be. I found out that I realistically could actually probably stay out here longer if the trail was naturally another 500 miles, I strongly believe that I could do that. And that's a pretty exciting thing. That tells me that I have more in the tank and I've got more and exciting things that I can potentially work toward in my future. And aside from all of that, I also learned just a lot more about the Appalachian Trail in and of itself. There's a lot of work that goes into the trail ahead of time to prepare for it and and really put the trail as best you can into perspective without truly being able to comprehend it until you're out here. And I think that that's just what I learned. I didn't know the personality of the trail. I didn't know the community of the trail. I didn't know what a tramley was going to be like. And I learned all of these things in rapid fire succession when I got out here. And I'm so glad I did because each of those creates my Appalachian Trail experience as it is. There's so many more things that I have learned, but just in a nutshell, those are some of the big ones. I'm sure as I continue to process the trail and um, once I have actually summited Katahdin and I'm home, I'm sure for weeks, months, maybe even years, I will continue to realize things that I um, found and learned from my Appalachian Trail experience. And I think that that is a lot of the beauty in it. So until then, I will continue to think through what I am taking home from the trail, but those are just a few things. Hi, 
is Elke again and today I want to tell you something about my experiences uh, during my through hike and about my thoughts at the beginning of the trail and my thoughts what I have now. So um, when I started in the end of March um, I actually didn't know enough about the AT and even about a through hike or, uh, or just hiking. Um, I have read only two books about the AT and I have only watched the movie um, Walking Through the Woods by Bill Bryson and I think that's not enough to get enough information about through hiking, hiking and the Appalachian Trail. So, um, yes, it was... Uh, At the beginning, a really big uh, challenge for me to um, do that because everything was new and I, um, because I have never hiked before and I have never tenting before actually and I um, haven't done something like that and, um, and um, I have never hiked with my dog before and Tilly have also never hiked before and so, so everything was new and um, it was at the beginning really exciting and um, sometimes um, I couldn't understand that when I uh, saw um, someone tenting alone I couldn't understand it I thought oh I would be so afraid so afraid to tent alone um, somewhere in the woods I would never do it and um, that was the beginning and but um, actually um, now I'm tenting um, wherever I want to do it so it's okay and I'm not afraid anymore but um, at the beginning I was afraid and I was a little bit scared about everything and um, yes and when I was um, I Yes, in my tent by night, and I. Yes, I heard all the noises from the birds and the wild animals, and um, I was scared to get outside in the darkness. So sometimes I <coughs> brushed my teeth um, inside my tent because I don't want to, didn't want to go outside anymore because it was everything was dark but after a while after a few weeks um everything um got better I think so um and then um I must say um in the first weeks um I did a really big mistake because um I always thought um I have to reach the end in time before I have to go back to Germany. And so um, I pushed myself every day um, to do um, the miles which I had to do um, to reach the end. So um, I always thought um, I have no time to rest for one or two hours um, on a place um, which um, which is really nice to have a rest for a while to um, just 
just sit down and relax somewhere to um to enjoy the landscape, the sun, the sky, or something like that. I always um, said to me, um, I want to do it, but I have no time to do it, because um, when I rest one or two hours in the afternoon or at midday, um, I um, don't reach... Um, the next shelter or the next tent site and then um, I have to do much more miles the next day and I can't do that and so it was uh, it stressed me yes actually it was very stressy for me to um, do that and um, I couldn't really say that I enjoy the day I enjoyed um, always um, when I reached the tent site at night or in the, the late, late afternoon. That was um, the time which I really enjoyed, but not the hike. And um, after weeks, after really after weeks, um, I changed my mind and I said to me, to myself, um, when I don't reach the end in time, it's not a problem because um, I, I I have to enjoy the hike and not the end. So um, I slowed down myself a little bit and um, I took sometimes uh, one or two zero days more. And um, I thought, no, it's, 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 it's also okay. It's also okay. And... Um, when I saw a wonderful place while I was hiking, I said, oh, here you can down and do, do, uh, do a rest. So um, then um, I could relax a little bit. Yes, and the other thing was that um, I always have a feeling um, I'm the slowest person on the whole trail. So... Um, Everybody, nearly everybody passed me day by day. Uh, and um, I never passed another person. I, so, um, I never passed another hiker because um, all the hikers are uh, faster than me. So um, that was very, or that is very difficult depressing because um you always can say to yourself you to yourself that um it doesn't matter because everybody has his own pace and um it uh, you don't have to care about others um it's just your own pace and and yes but um when all the hikers are much faster than you and um yes you, you see some hikers and um, they relax somewhere and um you say uh, to yourself um, yeah you can't do that because you have to go further and then after a time um the same hikers um who re um had a rest for an hour or for two um they passed you and give me a really bad feeling and you think uh, you are the only person 
who are struggling behind all the others. Calling all trail correspondence listeners. Do you have your own questions you'd love to have answered by our correspondents? If so, you're in luck. We're currently putting together the ability to have your questions asked and answered on air. While specific details of this are still in the works, we wanted to give you a heads up to start gathering any burning inquiries, points of clarification, or even just words of praise you may have for this season's correspondence. We'll have more information on how to submit your questions in the next episode, but if you have things that have been swirling around your mind as you followed along this season's cohort, take a moment to gather them and write them down. We'd love to hear from you. Howdy, this is David Ferrari, trail name Good Soup, reporting in from the Appalachian Trail, where I'm pondering the things I have learned, and I'm finding that answering this question is harder than I thought, because I, I'm finding it hard to remember my expectations and what I thought this experience would be like when I started out, because how I'm currently thinking about the trail is so ingrained into my thought pattern that I can't remember not thinking like this. But I'll do my best for you, kind listener. I'll do my best for you. So, I mean, the obvious thing is, like like I've mentioned before, outside of one overnight backpacking trip, um, like just a one-night backpacking trip in Wisconsin, the trail was my first time really going camping. So I learned a lot about just the basics of setting up a campsite, um, the food I liked, the food I didn't like, um, and what was possible for me physically out on this trail, including like if I absolutely maxed out on a section, I could do 30, 35 miles has been my biggest day and likely will be my biggest day. Um, But other things about, um, like I started out this trail with a one-person tent, which as a six-foot-one-person, I quickly learned was not enough. So upgrading to a two-person tent, um, other little things like that. Like just because your water filter can filter dirty water doesn't mean you need to subject it to dirty water and get it clogged. Um, but yeah, for the most part, everything's just so dialed in and almost uh, automatic with how I'm doing things that it, it's easy to forget that it used to not be this way, which I guess in a way is a lesson learned just about myself where um, I focus so much on where I'm at that sometimes I forget where I came from, which is someone who was basically just kind of rolling the dice and seeing um, if I could apply a bunch of theoretical knowledge from blogs and YouTube videos into a successful through hike, which I mean, looks like that's going to be the case here. But otherwise, I mean, I'm really trying to dig deep on like a personal lesson here, but I think if there's anything in that vein that I've learned, it's that I don't think I'm really that different out on the trail than earlier in than um, off trail life. But the trail has allowed me to focus almost exclusively on myself so I can actually like witness my own behavior and kind of be introspective 
and I can see how like things I might do on the trail are um, similar to how I would do in real life or my reactions to things um, like getting stressed out um, on the trail is great because, well, I mean, it's not getting stressed out is not great, but it's nice because I have the full freedom to like, I can just be like, I'm not doing anything more today. Like I hiked four miles and it was absolutely miserable and I'm done and I can just set up and make that choice. Whereas off trail life, it's, you're having like a bad day. Like at work, for example, it's like you have to grit your teeth and push through it because you could potentially risk, um, your employment and your income that way. So that's been kind of nice to know like, oh, okay, bring it all back together here. I know how to resolve it and how things could be better. And I know that like, I guess what I'm saying is when things are going hard in real life, the constraints of off-trail life, I don't want to say real life, when things, the constraints of off-trail life sometimes make it difficult for you to take care of yourself and I used to blame myself for that, that I wasn't doing a good enough job. And since I had the luxury, I want to stress the luxury of taking a through hike, um, one that did not have a set end by date, um, and one, I wasn't living lavishly on the trail, but I knew that I had enough to comfortably get through the trail in terms of finance. I know now that the constraints of living in um, society, I guess, off of a typical um, nine to five job kind of way, that they are stressful and it's valid that they're stressful and it's valid that sometimes I feel overwhelmed, I think, um, because playing that game means that you can't always do what's best for you, you have to do what's best for you given the constraints of what's acceptable or not. So the, the trails taught me that and just while I'm prattling here, the trails taught me a lot of like, oh, all these things that I would encounter in my off-trail life, like when I have the freedom to approach things the way that I can approach them, just the full-on, it doesn't really, I don't have to factor other people's plans into it. Um, my life is less stressful. Now that said, there are people who it's worth bringing into your life and planning around like my family, my partner, my family. Um, oh, that's another good thing I should talk on. It's like, I've seen, especially the first quarter, first half of the trail, but most of the first quarter of the trail, people like forcing tramleys because they want the, they, they, they love the idea of a tramley. And so they'll just force it with the people around them or like, Oh, we'll just make a tramley work. Cause, that, Cause I've seen people have like a good tramley. Um, and I've found in my experience that a tramley that just kind of falls together naturally works out the best um, where you're not forcing it. Like all of the tramleys that I've went the furthest with, um, I had a, I'm counting myself in these numbers. I had a four person tramley that we hiked about like 250 miles together. And then one person in that tramley, we hiked a total of like almost 500 miles. Is that right? Almost 500, 400-ish miles. Yeah, that's right. And then I had my tramway that I, on my last stint, where we hiked the beginning of Vermont all the way to the end together. And all of that was just happenstance. We were hiking together. Um, we enjoyed each, other company, each other's company, and we slowly ramped up the dedication to, 
yeah, we're going to plan things together. Um, and I think, I mean, maybe that's just me, but I feel like that results in a better chance of having groups sticking together when you just, um, you don't make it happen. It just kind of let it happens and you, Oh, well we keep, we, you know, it's been three resupplies and we're still hiking the same pace. Like now let's actually really start like planning things around each other. Um, and part of that too is being comfortable with eventually something might happen where it just has to disband or someone has to leave and you just have to be chill with it and not take it personally. Um, and I feel like that's kind of reflective of what can happen in real life too, is, um, seeking out relationships or friendships because, um, you want a relationship or friendship and you're not necessarily looking at the person. You just, you're looking at the relationship status you'd like to have. Sometimes you can force it and it won't go the way you want because you're making it happen. But that's me getting overly philosophical. In short, I should say that hiking the trail has been like life condensed and so many little things I feel like you can apply to off-trail life, but getting the perspective where I can just fully focus on myself and how I go through those experiences, those encounters, um, I feel has been really great to do so so that I can just apply it back to my off-trail life with a slightly different lens and a slightly different piece of not trying to force everything to happen. Um, yeah, so I guess that's that's the long way of saying the the best knowledge I've gained out here is just the peace and freedom to approach situations and difficulties or joys with the ability to I, I, I guess I don't have the constraint of people knowing who I was, so I could just try different methods of approaching things and not have to deal with, oh, is this, am I acting in the way that other people expect me to? Just, nope, I'm just being myself and being fluid with how I approach things. Um, I think that's that's an appropriate ramble here. Um, but yeah, it's it's just been eye-opening and to be able to be present with myself is how I'll wrap this up. Otherwise, if you're looking for other information, listen to the rest of this episode or whoever came before me on this episode. And uh, go out and do something like this for yourself, where you have the freedom to explore how you move about your life, I guess. And that'll be it for me. This is Good Soup, signing out. Be well, everyone. radio checking in for lessons learned on the Appalachian Trail. I'm fortunate that I've had a good amount of time to reflect on this very topic so I'm excited to share some of the things that I've learned both about gear and food and things like that as well as some of the life lessons that I learned from my hike. Um, To get started I kind of want to talk more about like some of the tactical things like gear and I learned a ton here for context Prior to hiking the Appalachian Trail, I had only done a couple weekend backpacking trips. I mean, more than a couple, but never think more than like never anything more than Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe a day or two on either side. So I was definitely a new-ish backpacker. Looking back, I think I described myself as an intermediate beginner at the start of this show, 
which I think was an accurate statement, but I learned so much while I was on the trail. Um, and one of the things that I think is initially really important to consider, that was a piece of advice I got from a through hiker in 2017, is that backpacking is not the same sport as through hiking, which can be a little bit of a confusing statement. But to unpack that a little bit more, I think what he was trying to convey is you make a lot of decisions when you're through hiking that you wouldn't make when you're backpacking. Um, for example, when you go backpacking on a weekend, you know, you want to bring some of the comfort items, like you bring the nice chair, you bring some fun games, or you bring a little extra food, like beer, for example, because you're not as concerned about the weight. Whereas when you're through hiking, you just want to be moving light and fast as much as possible, or at least I did. <laughs> so you decide, um, that you don't want to bring some of those extra items as you go along. So that it really is like two different sports. It's like they're similar, they're related, but they're, they're ultimately two different sports. So to start with gear, um, I changed a lot of gear while I was on the trail. Some of that was because of the weather and some of that was because of preference. Um, but most of it was primarily because I had lots and lots of miles to try things out and it kind of kept me engaged. And I think that's a good example or good lesson to share for new through hikers. If you're really into gear, you're never going to have more miles to try different types of gear along the way. So I changed up a little bit of everything. I changed up my clothing strategy. I changed my pack. I changed my tent. I changed even how I was <laughs> uh, wiping, <laughs> which might be TMI, just because I was curious like how those things would impact over a couple hundred miles or a few days, um, how I would enjoy them. And I think the biggest thing that I learned is even though you can do a shakedown and test things out at home, you're never going to be able to recreate the same environments of a through hike. Um, so when you're on a through hike, take advantage of that and test as much as you can. A good example for me is I started with a Sil Nylon backpack, a Gossamer Gear backpack that I really thought was perfect for me. But by the time I got to around Harper's Ferry, the pack was starting to rip up quite a bit because there was no structure. It was a frameless pack, and I thought that would be a really good fit for me. But by the end of Virginia, I was really tired of having to really hold my pack up right by myself to pack it because there was no frame to pack against. So I switched to a Durston 40 liter pack with a frame and it worked amazing for me all the way until the end. And even though it was maybe a little bit heavier, it was a perfect fit for my hiking style. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't hiked 1200 miles and gotten sick of my frameless backpack. Like I just wouldn't have been able to recreate those conditions on a shakedown hike. Um, another thing that I learned a little bit about was we all, everyone talks about your, the weight of your pack, but I think something that folks don't talk about as much is the bulk of certain items. Um, there's a lot of things that I dropped on the trail or sent home, not because they were heavy, but because they were really bulky. So a good example is your quilt. I started with a 10 degree sleeping quilt all down, which was amazing in the Smokies when it was incredibly cold. But by the time it got a little bit warmer in Virginia for me, it was really warm, like sweating warm, even if I had it fully zipped open. Um, and it also took up like half of my pack because it was so bulky. So I didn't send it home for weight reasons because it wasn't heavy. It was, you know, I think maybe 20 ounces, but I did send it home because I was tired of having all that bulk in my pack. And I switched to a very cheap Amazon, uh, sleeping bag that was 15 ounces. So not terribly lighter, but way less bulkier, which made a big difference in my packing. So thinking about bulk is something that I think folks don't talk about as much that you should definitely consider on your hike. Um, this is this next piece of advice is specifically for Appalachian Trail hikers. You do not need to bring a trowel. <laughs> um, 
I sent mine home, I think in Virginia. I can't remember where exactly, but there's so many privies that you could, if you're confident in your ability to hike relatively quickly in need of an emergency, a poop emergency, you don't need a trowel. And even if you can't hike very quickly, your trekking pole works perfectly fine as a trowel. Um, I sent mine home. I didn't need it. It's not that heavy, but it's just, again, one of those things you have to keep track of. I think I used my trowel once on the entire trail, so I sent it home. Um, and lastly, gear-wise, some of my favorite things that I learned, um, one is I really uh, struggled a lot with having the right underwear. I started with liner running shorts, which I quickly learned were a key to starting some chafing. Then I switched to compression shorts, which I thought would work really well because it's what I wear when I run back home. Um, but that also caused a little bit of just uncomfortableness and ir- like irritation down there. And then I switched to merino underwear, which I never believed would work for me because I've always liked kind of compression style material. But I got some merino underwear when I was in Great Barrington, the give and go ex officio, I think is what they're called. And they were simply fantastic. <laughs> um, it's probably the big, the piece of gear I've worn the most since coming back to real world is, and this again might be TMI, but having really comfortable underwear made a huge difference for me. I never chafed again after that point, after Great Barrington all the way through the end, even with a ton of rain in the whites. So that would be one thing. Start with merino underwear. Uh, that worked really well for me. And two, I would say, you know, it's often commonly mentioned that you're supposed to have gear that serves multiple purposes. And for me, my number one piece of gear that fell into that category was my poncho. Um, I loved having a poncho on the AT for a couple different reasons. One of them was it was a great multifunctional tarp, basically, that I could use in a lot of different circumstances. I could use it to lay out on the shelter to protect my sleeping pad from getting popped. I could use it, obviously, to wear during the rain. I could use it to add a little patio to the front of my tent to store some of my gear on dry nights. I just kept on coming up with different uses for the poncho, and it was cheaper and lighter than a lot of the other um, rain jackets that I could have gotten. And especially towards the end, I didn't even wear my poncho during the rain. I wore it um, just to go from the my sh- the shelter to the bathroom. Uh, I want to talk, too. I'm, I'm coming up a little bit on time here, but maybe uh, Moran will let me go a little bit longer here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the emotional side of the hike as well, and I talked about this a bit on my podcast, um, some of the lessons that I learned here. And really, the three big lessons that I learned, the first was you can get by with so much less than you think. Um, and I think this is something that I'm going to keep doing in the rest of my life moving forward, is it's important to maybe do challenges like the AT, maybe in a miniature setting, maybe once a week, like once a year for a week or a couple days, where you really challenge yourself to get by with a lot less. Because it makes you realize that you can take risks in life, and if things don't go well, you still would probably be okay. Um, you don't need to have an amazingly nice apartment or amazingly nice furniture. Like You ultimately could survive. It wouldn't be as comfortable, but you could survive with a lot less. And for me, as someone who works at a startup and things like that, obviously that's never the goal to live outside permanently. Um, and I'm not saying that's what we should be doing, but I'm just saying you could probably get by with less things in life um, because you survive for five months with just a pack and a bag. Um, The next one is embracing yourself rather than changing yourself. Um, When I was on the trail, I kind of was on a little bit of a mission to change who I was. I felt like I needed to get better at hiking alone and camping alone. And as we've discussed on previous episodes, that was something I never really did. Um, I ended up being with friends pretty much the whole time, my tramley. And about halfway through the hike, I was like, should I be splitting up with them? Should I be changing things up? 
so I can get some of that alone time that I was looking for. And then I was just like, I don't want to do that. I want to be with people. Like this is who I am as a person. And so I realized that it's important to embrace who you are rather than use the trail as an opportunity to change yourself. So rather than it being a life-changing hike, for me, it was a life-affirming hike. And the last thing is obviously the hike your own hike. That's everyone's favorite phrase. For me, um, this is something that I think I learned by the end of the trail, that ultimately you're responsible for your own hike and you got to make the choices that make the most sense for you. And if other folks don't want to make those decisions with you, that's okay. I think that's a good lesson for regular life too. It's, you should only really be concerned about your own journey. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Um, so those are some lessons learned from radio on the AT. A lot of gear, also some uh, emotional stuff as well. But thanks for listening, everyone. We will talk to you again soon. This is Summer, and today I'm recording from the trail. I am just south of Vermilion Valley Resort. I did not go in. I spent enough money in Mammoth Lakes, so I skipped it. But yeah, I just have less than 200 miles to go in my hike, and seems fitting that today we are talking about lessons learned. Um, Since I am getting close to the end, and it's probably a good time to start doing some self-reflection. Yeah, so I'd say I have certainly learned plenty of lessons, um, especially just being such a newbie backpacker before this. in terms of lessons specific to backpacking. Um, When it comes to gear, um, there is something to be said about saving weight. I do think it is worthwhile. However, I now know the pieces of gear that I think are worth weighing more, such as your quilt or sleeping bag. Um, I got a very lightweight quilt that was rated to 20 degrees and I've come to find out it is most certainly not a very generous 20 degrees and I am cold a lot of nights so I think in the future I would suck it up and get a heavier quilt that is going to actually keep me warm um but I think there are a lot of pieces of gear that depending on the trip you know, are going to be worth it or not. What kind of hike are you looking to have? Are you looking to have a more slow-paced social hike where you're going to want to sit and camp and cook dinner every night if you're only doing 15 to 20 miles a day? Or do you want to do a faster hike? When I was in the middle, um, hiking pretty big miles and I was not spending hardly any time awake in camp. So for me, cold soaking um, made a lot more sense and not really having many luxuries having my pack be really light so the miles were not nearly as harsh on my body made a lot more sense so I've just come to find you know there's a balance with gear weight matters but also 
so does your enjoyment of the trail and there's definitely a balance so don't let anyone you know tell you you can't bring that but I think it is worthwhile to like consider does that thing does that you know thing that does weigh however much it weighs does it bring you joy does it make your trip that much better anyway okay on on from gear um lessons learned just in general I think I talked about this in the last episode but I definitely learned that I if I do more hikes in the future I want a more balanced hike in terms of social versus alone like I am definitely I enjoy hiking alone during the day um I don't need to hike with people like actively hiking with them but I do really enjoy having the experience of like having a group that you camp with and be in towns with like definitely brings a lot of joy to the trail that hiking truly solo you just don't get that and thanks each to their own but for me that definitely made the trail a lot more fun and now being in the Sierra I've been hiking with a couple people um and it's just been really nice you know especially how hard the Sierra is it's been nice to get to camp and be like holy fuck we we climbed all of those mountains today um but yeah and then other lessons I mean I've really just learned that I learned a lot about myself learned that I'm capable of doing very hard things <laughs> learned that I'm capable of doing way more than I thought and also learned that I just don't necessarily always want to do that. <laughs> um, you know, just because you can do something really hard doesn't mean that you want to have to do that all the time. Um, so, yeah. You know, I do actually enjoy slowing down, which is something that is in the past been hard for me. Um, I tend to get very swept up in things and just want to go, go, go. But also, there is a pleasure in slowing down and savoring experience um and yeah I'd say yeah I mean the trail is hard hiking for you know almost five months is hard and I think it is I think I've grown a lot from it and I'm really excited to be done (laughs) and I mean that in a in a good way, but I'm excited to be home. And I know I say that now, and I'll probably wish that I was back on trail when I get home. But yeah, I don't know. If anything, maybe it's made me more grateful for my day to day life and my freedom that I have in my day to day life. Like, if I want to just take a weekend road trip and go somewhere and whatever, like having so much freedom. It's kind of ironic because you'd think out here it's like the ultimate freedom, but really it's not at all because you have one path you have to walk on and pretty much, I mean, I plan out pretty much every day for, you know, each stretch and I have to camp here and if I want to make it to town time and it's kind of funny because you have all this freedom, but actually not a lot of freedom. So anyway, yeah, those are some of the lessons I've learned. Um, kind of in the middle of the Sierra right now, so hopefully this gets submitted in time. But yeah, um, until next time, this is Summer signing out.
This is Mary, and this is Assignment 12, Lessons Learned. I feel like I'll just end up repeating myself from stuff I've said in other assignments, so I'm just not really going to answer this. But I guess I will say that from Lessons Learned, um, I I think I need to learn to not be so direct with people. And also, too, I guess, um, so it turns out somebody I met on trail knew I was doing this, and I don't know if I told her this or whatnot, but I met this person in Big Bear, and she then told my hiking partner at Trail Days what I had said about when we were talking about hiking partners. And I don't know what she said, but he ended up texting me about it. And I think what I had said hurt his feelings because I was being honest about it. And I think that's what's really hard about doing something like this is even though you think you're not really being hurtful towards somebody's feelings, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get their feelings hurt about it. And he didn't listen to what I had to say, and I tried to say it knowing that he was going to listen, but just from me texting him the basics of what I had said, it just didn't seem like he was too happy about it. But I don't know how else I'm supposed to talk about it. I don't know how not to be direct. I don't know how to do something like this and then also to sugarcoat it in a way where I'm not hurting somebody's feelings. And I don't even know if there's necessarily a way to do that. The fact that you probably even had thoughts like that is probably a reason why somebody you've hiked with might get mad or even hurt by it. So I don't know. I guess I just need to definitely just work on, I guess, saying stuff not as direct or as curtly as I tend to say them. And also, too, I really don't think about sometimes the things I say might affect the hikers that I'm hiking with. There was a gentleman who was hiking a little bit faster than me and my old hiking partner, and he got to the campsite before us, and we were just right behind him. But when we started looking for spots, he was just like, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm getting that spot. And then if we went to somewhere else, oh, I'm going to get that spot. And then I was just like, what is this guy doing? I was like, is he saving spots? And so I got really vocal about it. And I just was telling the people I was with, I'm just like, you pick whatever spot you want. I don't know what he's doing, but he only gets one. And so it just looked like he was saving spot for people that weren't there. And then he heard me. And so then he came up and was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have done that. I know people were doing that on the AT. And I also knew people were doing that on the AT. And I did appreciate that he said that, but he also said he should have known better. But I didn't realize that me saying that made this guy feel really guilty about it. So when he ended up meeting my old hiking partner at Trail Days, He was just scared to talk to my hiking partner when my hiking partner just wanted to be nice and chat him up because my hiking partner just, he doesn't care. And he just wanted to make sure this guy was okay and everything was cool with him because that's just how he is. But the result of me saying something to him made that guy feel uncomfortable to be around my old hiking partner. And also too, that's just unfortunate that that my hiking partner wanted to make friends and this guy didn't want to kind of make friends with him because of me. And this all really sounds like high school. (laughs) Sorry, but it just goes to show how your actions can actually affect somebody else you hike with. So that's just also something to think about. And I also could have just said what I had to say directly to him instead of just kind of being pissed off and just being, I guess, vocally passive aggressive about it. But honestly, at the time, I think if I said something to him directly, I would have not have been nice about it. Not that I was being nice about it anyway, but I still could have been better. I don't know. It's kind of hard to be nice when you're already in a mood. 
and to the guy who was saving spots and then later apologized for it. Um, I really did appreciate that you came up to me and said you're sorry and that you shouldn't have done that and you knew better. And if I didn't say it back, I, I'm sorry too that I acted like that. And to my hiking partner, my former hiking partner, if what I say hurts you, I'm sorry that it does. You and I have been hiking for a long time and have been, I guess, you know, I'm direct and I know sometimes you can be you in your own way, (laughs) but I think I kind of take for granted that sometimes too, that maybe I don't think about the fact that I can hurt your feelings because you're so okay with me being me. And I wish I wasn't like that, I guess, so much to where it hurts your feelings. But also, too, I wish you would also consider my feelings, too. He and I are such dudes. This is where he and I are like. This is more conversation about feelings that we've ever than we ever had. <laughs> or should I say, than I ever had with him. <laughs> and, well, he really wouldn't talk about his feelings to me if I made him feel uncomfortable. Just like I'm never going to tell him directly how I felt. So, anyway, yeah, that's too much. Too much to talk about feelings with your hiking partner who's not your boyfriend. And then also, too, I'm back on trail. So, yeah. And I'm definitely going to try to watch my attitude or check my attitude when I'm really tired and sleep deprived. And if people are saving spots still. Yeah, that really went on longer than I thought it was. guys it's minstrel here to talk about lessons i've learned on the trail this one was really tough to think about because i i can't think of any specific like big lessons that i've learned i was talking with with uh, a trail angel that i was hitching with um and she actually asked me what the, the very question, like, what have I learned? And, and I was having a tough time answering it. And what I ended up telling her was that I don't really feel like I've learned too many new big things. But what I've been able to do is kind of practice and work on things I already did know. And what I ended up saying to her that I really, I really enjoyed was that, you know, I had the knowledge, but I was working on the wisdom and, you know, that I feel like knowledge is more of a noun and wisdom. I mean, yeah, it's technically a noun, but I think it's more of a, a verb in its execution. So I had, I had the ability to really start putting things into action rather than just knowing it. Like, I knew going in that I would have to rely on other people in order to to make it to the end or in order to make it to, you know, anywhere. But then learning how to talk to other people for that, how to actually rely on them, how to team up with them and all those weird nuances that come from from a hitch or from talking to somebody in a parking lot for a ride or talking to other hikers just to get decent beta or even just to connect because you know (laughs) we're all out here and a little 
tired of talking to some weekend warriors at times and need a little little through hiker bonding which was actually really helpful that was that was a big thing is just learning how to to piece it all together and also one of the really big things and I talked about about this with uh one of my friends on on a day that we hiked together with a, a surprise encounter out, out in the wilderness. We weren't expecting to run into each other, but something I was telling her was that I had known that I could do really big things, but I had never actually put it into practice. And to be able to embody that in a really visceral way was was pretty profound. I mean, I've I've done some cool big things in my life before, but this was I mean, I I went to Canada for the first time and to get there I walked in. That's kind of bananas. Other things I learned that some people will want to just kind of dunk on you for whatever reason. I had some people try to dunk on me because I was carrying the biggest version of the ULA pack, the Catalyst. I'm like, whatever. I'm I'm happy. I don't need to be ultra light. I can be ultra chill. But really, I think I think the biggest thing was just learning how to put everything that I've I've kind of done together because you know, we're we're all we're not one thing. We're the accumulation of our experiences and our reactions and our ideas and to be able to put it together into this big thing where I was able to help out others and I was able to receive help. I think that's kind of beautiful and magical. So that's that's the lessons I've taken away from here. So thanks. PCT and everyone out there that I'm piping my voice into your ears. Hey there, this is Witch Doctor here. Um, we're talking about lessons learned today. And I'm just going to talk about some lessons learned from a gear standpoint, from the trail standpoint, and just from a me standpoint. Um, but we'll start with gear. Uh, first off, don't cheap out on gear. This is something that I did uh, initially. I bought um, some questionable stuff off of Amazon. Um, I bought a sleeping pad that was was cheap. and I mean, it lasted me yeah, 800 miles or so, but uh, it... <laughs> had a slow leak and had to get that replaced. Um, so uh, from a gear standpoint, you know, just get gear from a reputable brand that has a good warranty policy. Um, before starting, I had a Sea to Summit pillow that uh, had a leak in it or, or popped when I blew it up. Um, hadn't used it for a year or so. And uh, I let them know that I was leaving on the trail in like a week. And they're like, no problem. We'll send you a new one and we'll rush it to you before you start. And so that, you know, made a believer out of me from, from a seat of summit standpoint. So when I did have to replace my air mattress, 
uh, I got to see to Summit One. Um, so uh, definitely, you know, spend the money on a reputable brand that has a good uh, good warranty policy. Uh, I guess number two for gear, Luco Tape. Luco Tape is your best friend when it comes to blisters. Um, forget about any other type of, you know, KT tape or moleskin, Luco Tape. Uh, it's going to stay on if it gets wet. Um, it'll stay on for, you know, three, four days, which is about as long as you need for a blister to heal up. Um, so cannot stress Luco Tape enough. Get a whole roll. You will be everybody's best friend. Also, from a gear standpoint, you want to get low weight or ultralight gear. Uh, you don't want to carry too much out there. You want to try and keep your pack weight anywhere from 20 to 30 pounds is kind of the sweet spot. Um, obviously, you can go lighter, but I, I think I started the trail just north of 40 pounds. <laughs> Some of that was probably because I had like 10 days worth of food. You definitely pack your fears, and my fear was running out of food. Um, if you can carry just, you know, as minimal food as you need to get to the next, um, food resupply, carry just enough water to get you to the next, uh, water source. Um, one liter of water weighs 2.2 pounds. So, I mean, you can count ounces on gear all you want, but food and water make a huge difference as well. Um, from a trail standpoint, as far as lessons learned, um, Take care of your feet. Give your feet a chance to air dry off as much as possible. I'm in Maine right now, and my feet have been wet for the last couple days. Every night, you know, strip off your dirty, wet socks. Put on clean, fresh, dry socks. Let your feet dry out. Um, never trust a bog board. Uh, if you know, you know. Uh, Tylenol and ibuprofen are your best friends on the trail. Um, so don't be you know, too proud to take any drugs. Uh, it's going to help you with your nagging knee or ankle or whatever pains and aches you're going through. Um, also on trail, take time for a side adventure. Uh, whether, you know, it's exploring a water feature or a rock feature or a drive-in movie theater double feature, uh, whatever it is, um, it's not just putting up big miles every day. You're out here to have fun and, uh, there's a lot of fun to be had on trail. So don't be afraid to call an audible during the day, even if you had like, you know, big miles or something planned. If there's a side adventure or feature on trail that you want to explore, do it. it it'll definitely, it is only going to add to the positive experience that you're going to have on trail. And lastly, uh, the, the me lessons that I've kind of personally learned um, just from this through hike. I would say definitely keep in contact with your family and friends back home. Um, they're, you know, your, your biggest support. They're the ones you're going to go back to when you get off trail. And um, that definitely makes um, having some sort of uh, support people at, outside of just people on trail um, behind you. Um, try and do some sort of self-improvement while you're on trail. Uh, physically, that's kind of easy. We're all out here you know, doing a lot more physically activity, physical activity than we're used to. Um, but also try and improve your, yourself just mentally and emotionally. For me, it was, uh, listening to books. Um, some of them self-help books, some of them just books to pass the time or books that I felt that, uh, would educate me as, as a person. Um, and so definitely try and, uh, make yourself a better person because if you are coming out on trail because you're running from something 
um, those problems when you go home, they're not going to go away. Um, so try and at least, you know, emerge from the trail better equipped to deal with those problems than you entered the trail with. Um, and lastly, I guess we'll just say uh, have a plan for post-trail life to kind of ease your transition back. Um, that's a problem that a lot of people struggle with. I will uh, figure out <laughs> how I'm going to struggle with uh, returning to regular life in about two weeks here once I finish up. Got about 200 miles left, but I already have plans um, to go back to work. Uh, I have a very full calendar of just weddings and bachelor parties and concerts and all sorts of things. Um, just calendar is just chock full of things. So the more busy, I guess you can make yourself when you get back from trail, it's going to help you kind of ease your, your transition, um, back to regular life. But again, this is witch doctor. Thanks for listening. Uh, over and out. That's all for episode 12. Please be sure to join us next time when we'll hear from our correspondents about their last week on trail. Emotions will be high, exhaustion will be complete, and I'm sure our correspondents will have a lot to say as their journeys come to a close. And a quick final reminder to start getting any questions you may have for our correspondents together, as our next episode will include information about how those can be submitted. Until then, I am your host, Moron, and this has been Trail Correspondence. Happy trails, y'all.